Seed to Sound, presented by Banks, a podcast for cannabis professionals. Welcome back to Seed to Sound and our Meet the Company series featuring Native Roots. We're back with another Native Roots team member. Today's episode features Shannon Fender, Director of Public Affairs. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Seed to Sound and another episode of our Native Roots Meet the Company series. We're here today with Shannon Fender, Director of Public Affairs. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you for being here. So why don't you take a minute to introduce yourself and tell us about Native Roots and your role there? Sure. So my name is Shannon Fender. I'm the Director of Public Affairs for Native Roots Dispensary based out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, We are the largest cannabis dispensary operator in the state, uh, among the largest uh, dispensary operators in the country. We're vertically integrated, so we cultivate, uh, manufacture, um, infuse products, and then we have dispensary storefronts across, I think, 10 jurisdictions here in Colorado. We are the first U.S. company to get a Canadian retail license, so we are going to be opening up stores under the brand name Garden Variety. As my role as Director of Public Affairs, I oversee our global government and community relations initiatives, so everything that we do in our established markets, as well as expanding into new markets. And, you know, it's it's a lot of fun um, from, you know, the local level of when you're first going into a community, getting that support to open a location to lobbying on issues that are of importance to a state and then you know now we've gone into other markets Uh, i also am the secretary of the board for the cannabis trade federation which is yeah the it's the preeminent lobbying organization for the industry working predominantly right now on um, lessening 280e tax burdens as well as banking restrictions among some other things really ending the uh, federal state conflicts that we have right now in the industry so uh, that would be a precursor to full legalization. Uh, and then additionally, doing work in Canada and expanding internationally. Awesome. So you do it all. And congratulations Thank on you. Canada. That Thank is you. super exciting. Yeah, it is it's very exciting. So tell us, how did you first become interested and involved in the cannabis industry? Yeah, you know, so I have been a contract lobbyist, had been a contract lobbyist prior, representing a couple companies here based out of Denver. So in my portfolio of work, I I really did, starting in about 2013, when we were, you know, just initially looking Colorado at regulations, you know, had my got my feet wet right away. And that was always one of my favorite clients to work on. It was, you know, expanding so rapidly. There was so much energy around it, the state capital. And I, you know, through the years had the opportunity to meet a lot of other dispensary owners, uh, cultivators, operators in the space. And uh, I, I, I think it was 2016, um, there was an initiative that was before uh, potentially going on the Colorado ballots that would limit the potency Uh, of cannabis products in the state to 16%. So that would have eliminated the concentrate market. It would have severely restricted edibles market um, and really was asking us to reverse engineer our cultivation to get that 16% potency threshold on even flour. And I met then the senior VP of government relations at LiveWell, Neil Levine, who is now the CEO of the Cannabis Trade Federation. Um, And he really brought the industry together around this shared issue um, in a time that there was not really a lot of professional organization in the political and government space. And it it, that moment, it it was it was late summer um, that 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 was happening. 
that shortly thereafter I was approached by both Native Roots and another cannabis company, um, both that saw the need for someone to come in-house and do government and community relations work full-time. And so I, I, you know, I really, the fact that I was not looking for a career change, I loved my job. Um, I actually still have uh, my, my contract lobbying firm that I worked for uh, on retainer for us working in the city of Denver, <laughs> nice. which they appreciate. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I just saw this massive opportunity to build something out in a, in a company that really needed some infrastructure and really needed some leadership in the political space. And uh, it was a little bit scary um, when I when I made the decision to to jump on the cannabis train. President Trump had just gotten elected. It, we are looking at an Attorney General Jeff Sessions who is you know not favorable towards cannabis, and um, really just made the the gut call of you know going into the industry, giving it an opportunity, and having the advantage of feeling like, hey, I was young enough. If the whole thing tanked. I would be able to course correct pretty quickly. Right. Yeah, of course. And it sounds like you were extraordinarily well equipped to to just r- jump right into this position. And You know, I, I was worried, actually, as I think that many people are. Um, and I think that we might talk about this a little bit later. But uh, I was worried. I, I didn't really know what to expect or if I was capable of doing what has now become my, my day-to-day job. Um, and expanding into new markets. And uh, I just kind of trusted that I could and that I would be able to figure it out. And it ended up working out well. But yeah, there was there was some uneasiness associated with the move. Yeah. So tell us a little more about the expectation versus the reality of going into your first day at Native Roots. Yeah. Uh, expectation versus reality. Well, I, you know, I had seen very sophisticated cultivation and manufacturing facilities before I was exposed from my previous job to, you know, what a professional industry should look like. And so that wasn't as much of a shock as I think for some people who come into this industry who have preconceived notions about what they're going to be walking into. Totally. What I was most, and, and this, when I, when I sat down for my interview with my, um, my now boss, um, who is a co-owner of the company and and our chief strategy officer? You know, he we we kind of had that back and forth where he was like, "I don't know exactly what we need, but we need something." And I was like, "Okay, well, let's work with that. Let's grow on it." Um, I was I was very surprised to find that there was already so much going on that has now come under my department in terms of the community relations, the community service, the commitment to philanthropy that just wasn't really organized. And so, you know, what I've really tried to do in my role, both within the company and then as well as reaching out to other organizations and setting that standard of excellence um, is organize and be better about talking about what we're doing as an industry in the community and to not be afraid to approach organizations, you know, like, like youth serving organizations. We have a great partnership with Mothers Against Drunk Driving now um, around 420. And so really just the ability to step up as industry and not kind of be afraid and not really feel like we needed to be, um, you know, hiding, but really organizing around all the good work that we did do. That's absolutely wonderful. So what is your favorite part about your job, about what you currently do? I have several. So I, being on the political side, I, I really enjoy the work where I actually do get to go out and work with elected officials, have conversations about what the state of the industry is. 
you know, for example, last week I was in Washington, D.C. for the week meeting with legislators on the Hill, you know, talking about the very real issues that impact communities, businesses, people's lives. Um, you know, this has become this has become such a huge industry where people's, you know, mortgages are on the line, their 401ks, their retirement planning, all of that. You know, it's it's not just let's protect some random weed growers out somewhere. This is we I really like putting a face to it and showing, you know, people who are just starting to get more normalized to the idea about legalized cannabis that, you know, yeah, we are we are people that, you know, have careers and that we really do care about these things. We really do care about our communities and quality of life. Um, I also really enjoy working on the community aspect, getting to go out, work with nonprofit organizations, do actual hands-on community service, um, and actually really putting um, our our efforts where we say that we're going to. It's It's been really rewarding. We actually, in the past two years, um, have averaged over 450 community service hours for the entire company per year. Wow. Um, and that's something that we it's really important to us to actually go out and get that done. And, um, you know, we have fun with it. So taking a step back for a little bit, if you had to switch careers for one year and do something completely different, what would you do? You know, this is the probably the one question that I had to think about the most. <laughs> and it was hard. I thought about it for a good 30 minutes on the drive over here. Hey, it's <laughs> great like, you what? love your job. <laughs> love what I do. Um, I've I've loved government uh, and politics for so long. It just comes so naturally to me. I, I probably would go back to contract lobbying. Um, if I had to switch entirely going back to what, you know, I kind of imagined myself when I was growing up, I would love to do some kind of journalism, broadcast journalism. It's always like a big, it, it was always very intriguing to me, a lot of fun. And I think that there's a lot of things that cross over between the political world and kind of that journalistic um, mindset. So uh, those would probably be the two things. If I would go like way left field, <laughs> like maybe law enforcement. I've been listening yes. to a lot of true okay. crime recently. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like a prosecutor yes. or FBI or like. Oh yeah. You know, true crime podcast. Like that. That's yes. like all Me I listen too. to. <laughs> Me and you girl. Me and you. And I'm on the journalism side. Go journal. <laughs> Good. Well, everyone's very well covered here. Awesome. <laughs> Um, so what would you say is the biggest difference between your job as it relates to the cannabis industry and your job in any other industry? Okay, so from the the political and government side is that, you know, no matter what we do, we always, for, for people who do not want us to be here, we always have to start out combating the fact that we're still federally illegal. And so, you know, rational people can go into an argument disagreeing about something and have their reasons it's hard to combat that, you know, that kind of first, well, they're, you know, they're illegal, so don't listen to them or, um, you know, all the things that come with that. It, it gets very hard to maneuver around those conversations, even though we are a state legal business. Um, I would say that that is the biggest hurdle. Um, on the community side, there is still some, from some folks, a preconceived notion that, you know, there there is a link to um, harder drugs. There is, um, you know, a link to opiates, although we've, we've actually seen the inverse is that when you legalize both medicinal and adult use cannabis, you see um, the counter effect in terms of opiates and addiction. Um, but, but really just folks thinking that there is something malicious about us, um, that is that's really hard to overcome because we really we truly believe that the heart of this 
industry is coming from medicinal benefits and in the ways in which you can treat illness. So um, that is something that I think is, has been hard um, on, on that front. And it's so vastly different from other industries that don't have to deal with that on a day-to-day basis, along with just everything in the industry changing at, you know, a moment's notice. Yes. Yeah. I, and I think that, you know, we've had, or you will, if you have not had several of my colleagues on here and talking about their side of actually dealing with the regulation changes. I have to talk about that all the time. They actually have to implement it. And so I really try to go in and work in their shoes and go through, you know, job, job swapping we do um, to actually see like the amount of work and, you know, just one small change that can happen can have so many effects down the line that it's just, it's really incredible. Um, And I think that that's something that you don't really you don't see quite as much, um, you know, in more more long-term stabilized industries because, the, you know, they've gone through the growing pains and we're getting there. Uh, I think slowly but surely um, we are getting there. And Colorado has done a great job at, you know, setting a baseline. And when we go out into other markets and we give advice, we say, hey, we've been through all this. Like, don't beat your head against the wall. Learn from our mistakes. Here's here's where we can grow, and here's where you know you should actually start as your baseline. So, what advice do you have for job seekers from a similar background hoping to enter the industry? I love this question um, because the way that I got into this role was so unique, and that it was a newly created role. My for someone who is interested in the political, policy, government, regulatory, community, communication side. You may need to go create the job that you want because the company that you're looking at um, in this industry, probably a million people are doing it or someone's doing everything. And, you know, something that we talk about at Native Roots that, you know, both from our human resources side as well as our CEO is that we missed out on some hiring opportunities early on in the process that really put us behind and, and not, you know, because we didn't want to, but because we just didn't know. And because it's it rapidly changed from, you know, more of a an immature business to a fully formed large organization that really needed some strategic guidance. And so for me in the government relations and, and back to that story about my now boss saying, I'm not exactly sure what we need, but we need we do need <laughs> something and just going in and identifying for an organization it's always better to be proactive and to have good, really, really good relationships with regulators and with elected officials. It's always really, really good to have, you know, some community impact plans, some corporate social responsibility plans. And so for these, you know, especially smaller companies or um, in emerging markets uh, around the U.S., especially that, you know, may not have that kind of thought process in place for you to point out you know, here's where you're going to have a big return on your investment by hiring someone like me to plan these things on the front end and not have to worry about them only if you have a problem. Absolutely. Great advice for any job seekers out there trying to get into cannabis with a political or lobbying background. Um, So now that we've talked a lot about the professionalism and the passion behind the industry, the increased legitimacy, as well as the medicinal benefits of the plant, what is the number one biggest myth about cannabis or the industry as a whole that you'd like to dispel? Yes, I'm going to drop back into my talk about the tax burdens that we face. There is a a massive misconception that this industry is rolling in cash. 
you know, we we have a very large financial burden with the federal government. Nearly every cannabis operator that I know in Colorado has been under audit from the IRS um, under Section 280E, which effectively views us as um, federal drug launderers. And so we um, what we're trying to do at the federal level, again, is we're trying to, you know, remove this state versus federal law under you know, under the circumstances in which 280E was put in place by Congress, this 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 was the appropriate mechanism to deal with narcotics traffickers. Um, but under it never contemplated that there would be state legal businesses that would be, you know, trying to conduct these businesses in a regulated fashion um, and be being very transparent about how they were operating. Um, and and so we we do we have upwards of seventy to eighty percent federal tax penalties. So it's not a tax rate that is upon us; it's a penalty. Um, and I, that I think is hard because there, you know, even in some of the conversations that are ongoing in current events, it's like where's all the weed money? And well, you know, we the Colorado has seen six billion dollars in sales, but when you look at that, that's the the drop of a bucket in the entire. Um, actual state legislative um budget and so i i would just you know caution people that if their expectation is to get rich quick that they're going to be very disappointed um if you're invested in the long term and really growing your career i would say that this is a great place to start um from our manufacturing jobs which you know I, i one of our our folks that you may have already spoken to or will be speaking to works on the post-harvest side and it, he he said you know it's very blue collar and I said yeah you know the, the way that I like to describe it is green collar because it is very manufacturing setting um, it is a manufacturing setting um, it is very labor intensive but there are pathways for growth and something that we care about a lot in Native Roots is offering those educational courses so that you can grow your career you can grow into it so that would be my biggest uh, would be the, the expectation that there's just a lot of money floating around is um, is not true. And if if there are folks out there, they just haven't been audited yet. And I would say that that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> that is coming. So be prepared. Well, thank you so much, Shannon, for being here today. We had such a blast. Super insightful. Thank you for everything you had to offer our listeners. I know that they love this episode. I hope you guys love this episode because it was awesome. <laughs> um, and definitely check out the rest of our Native Roots series. Thanks again. Thank you, guys. Sound presented by Vangst, a podcast for cannabis professionals. Produced by Hannah Holmgren and Catherine Jamiro. Music by Tyson Weigel. For more information, visit www.blog.vangst.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.